0: Uh, This time we have together today, we ask you that you would strengthen us and that you would help us to prepare our hearts to receive your words and all that you have in store. Uh, Lord God, uh, there's no one like you, Lord, and even on the anxiety uh, for some of us, uh, our hearts and our minds and our souls and spirit on a day like today because uh, we're concerned about gifts on tomorrow, help us to stop. And to slow down, to remember what Christmas is truly about. The coming of Christ to this earth just for us because God loves us. So Father, do your work in our hearts and minds. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In our passage today, we will read about a story that chronicles the birth of Jesus Christ and the circumstances leading up to it. It begins with the story of God and creation all the way back in Genesis and how God created individuals like Adam and Eve to be in relationship with him. But as we know, that relationship was compromised because of sin. Sin damaged a perfect fellowship and sent us, all of us, all us folks, hurling towards an abyss of darkness and separation from all that is good, specifically God himself. God being merciful, Sends help from on high, however. He sends himself in a way that faithfully represents him, but also faithfully represents us here on earth. So, this story today picks up with a guy named Joseph and a gal named Mary. These were most ordinary people, from all that what we can tell in Scripture. I'm sure that Joseph was much like many of us men in here today. Yes, Joseph was just like us, who had personal likes, things that he was gung-ho about and stuff he didn't like. Joseph was just a man trying to make it in this world. And this Joseph, he was also looking for a woman. And he found a woman, and her name was Mary. Mary was also an ordinary woman. An ordinary woman, probably minding her parents, minding her own business, also trying to make it in life. But also, like many other women before her, she wanted life to go well. She also wanted a man, a man who would love her and a man who would care for her. Well, neither Mary nor Joseph sought after the limelight. They were not looking to become a household name. Neither Mary nor Joseph wanted to be depicted in the form of statues on our lawns this time of year. Neither did Mary hope to one day to be a bobblehead on the dashboard of someone's car. Not only here in our nation, but in other nations all over the world. This is not what she sought after. This was not what Joseph sought after. As a matter of fact, I recall that when we were Younger, living at home with our parents, uh, we used to have the nativity scene on our, on our uh, yard. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the whole nine yards, they're about yay high. It was about three feet high. And I remember distinctively how at the bottom there, there was like this, this clump of sand just to keep them still when the wind blew. And I also recall one Christmas we woke up and Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus was gone. It wasn't because Santa Claus came and took them and left some gifts there. It's cause folks in the hood decided that they liked Mary and Joseph enough to take them to put them in their lawn. But in my sanctified imagination I could hear Joseph and Mary saying from heaven, "Good." Good because I don't want you looking at us anyway. If anything, uh, maybe something depicting Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, as far as we can tell, they were an ordinary couple trying to live an ordinary life with hopes of having an ordinary, normal family one ordinary day. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse... 18. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had betrothed to Joseph had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. A pregnancy without a husband is a pregnancy in question. I'll say that one more time. A pregnancy without a husband is a pregnancy in question. Number one, why is it important to even uh, need to know about the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. While it's common to only speak of a person being born and entering into this world, occasionally details emerge when extraordinary circumstances are involved. This is true of uh, several biblical characters, especially key characters like Jesus and Moses. The birth of most others is just a fact of life. And we understand that someone was born. There's another baby that was born. There were twins. There were triplets. And that's just the way it goes. But we who believe in Jesus Christ understand the circumstances surrounding his birth uh, to be particularly important. Because it, uh, it identifies Jesus as being special. No, not special in the sense that his birth, birth was difficult for his biological mother, nor was his birth special because he had mental or physical challenges. No, not because of those things. But the birth of Christ was special in terms of who he is. In fact, his presence alone just Him being here on this earth would intimidate people. Fascinating that this is similar to uh, the infancy of Moses, if you recall. When hearing the news of the birth of the Messiah here, some were looking to kill him. The same thing happened to Moses, Moshe. Uh, that they were looking to kill them before they had a chance to live their life and walk in their ministry. They wanted them down. They wanted them gone. Just the news of the existence of this child created a threatening environment for men who were not willing to share uh, the historical spotlight with anyone. So we ask... What was so special about this child or his prospects that he would send leaders into a rage desiring to kill him. Matthew chapter 2 verse 16. Matthew 2 16. Then Herod when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Everyone had been expecting the arrival of this special child as his arrival was constantly in the back of people's minds. You see, Uh, Even for the Jews, they knew uh, that there was one that was supposed to come. Uh, Even though they could not uh, tell exactly when it was supposed to be, they knew that Messiah was coming. Yes, the Jews knew that the Messiah was coming. In fact, uh, the Jews of today, in this year we're currently living in, They, some who are rejecting Jesus Christ, they are still expecting a Messiah to come. They reject Jesus, they say he's not the Messiah, so they're waiting on another one to come, not realizing that it was Jesus, that he was the one that they should have received. So, in the minds and the hearts of all the Israelites, they knew that there was one that was coming uh, that was coming to save his people. It's ironic that we should speak of the birth of Jesus Christ when it is He who has allowed us to be born again. But when we speak of the birth of Christ, is it that very moment in time in which he finally came into existence, as we know? Uh, so is the Messiah, is Christ, uh, is Jesus? Did he come into be, to be born uh, the, the, the day to exi- into existence the day that he was born of Mary? In other words, was he not and then he was like you and I? Bottom line, that Jesus Christ was preexistent before he came in the likeness of human flesh. The scandal of a pregnancy. Again here, verse 18, Mary was engaged to Joseph, but she was pregnant with a child before the wedding. Now, I'm not certain about uh, many of you men in here, but I'm not sure how you would feel to know that your bride-to-be was pregnant before the wedding. Now, you may say, well, uh, it, it may have been my child. Okay, that's, that, that's one thing. But what if it is not your child? Uh, look at verse 18. Uh, notice this, please. Notice that Mary is called Jesus' mother. While her husband is called Joseph. Mary is biologically connected to Jesus and soon to be married to Joseph. While Joseph is only connected with Mary, there seems to be somewhat of a separation and rightfully so. Scripture tells us she was found to be with child before they came together, before they were married And unfortunately, this has become a common situation in our society. In fact, not just a common situation in our society. Oftentimes, pregnancy precedes marriage. Or there is the intent of pregnancy with no hopes of marriage in the long run. Some folks say, well, let me get the baby now and we'll see what happens later. Or some folks hope that, well, I'll get the man if I become pregnant today. Uh, Later on, he'll say, let me go ahead and marry this girl. But ladies, I'm here to tell you, watch out for the deceitfulness of the slickness of the tongue of a man, because he will tell you everything to get your presents from under the Christmas tree. So whether the pregnancy was on purpose or by accident, there seems to be no guardrails in our hearts concerning pregnancy. Because in our world today, people can do whatever they can imagine in their mind, and they don't expect any pushback from anyone, regardless of who you are. And you see, this is the reason why Jesus is so problematic. This is the reason why folks don't like Jesus when the gospel uh, doesn't go according to their likes, they attempt to deconstruct this holy narrative as they take away bits and pieces to rewrite biblical history or bringing up some uh, other untrue or obscure piece of information that has nothing to do with anything. Therefore, some will only attend churches that will coddle them To make them feel good all the time. You only want to go to church. I only want to go to church where the preacher is going to make me feel good. As long as I'm feeling good. I'm good to go. But as Samuel John said. And I quote. No man is a hypocrite. In his own pleasures. End quote. Alexander Wolcott. He goes on to say this. And I quote. All the things I really like to do are either illegal, immoral, or fattening. All the things I really like to do are either illegal, immoral, or fattening, he says. So if Jesus looks at us with the fire of judgment, then we realize that most of our desires can truly be summed up as illegal, immoral, or fattening. Righteousness gets in the way of what we want to do. Therefore, we eliminate righteousness and we normalize wickedness in all the bad. To do this, we must eliminate the guardrails of God. Uh, To do that, we change uh, the story of Jesus to fit our likings. So uh, what does Joseph do with this woman? Looking in our passage, here you go, you you have a woman on your hand and she's pregnant and it ain't your baby. What do you do with a woman like that? What does a real man do? Matthew 1, verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man. You see that? He was just. Uh, Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as he considered these things behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit It's not what we really expect. Joseph's response to Mary's pregnancy is unlike people that we know who would become full of rage and anger if this were to happen to them. Joseph, being a gentleman, didn't get angry. But nevertheless, he decided he wanted to divorce Mary. That was pretty nice of him, wasn't it? Here, God wants to do something with your woman, and you say, you know, okay. Uh, uh, well, I'm going to divorce you, and you can go ahead and keep on going to church, but in the meantime, goodbye. I want nothing to do with you. I'm not sure, uh, again, how many of you men, how you would respond to that. How would you respond to that? Ladies, how do you think your man would respond to that? I don't even want to think of that. Well, I say at least uh, Joseph did not call for her stoning. You know that Joseph could have called for her stoning. He could have said, you know what? Mary, you got a baby. You talk about some Holy Spirit. Ain't no Holy Spirit got you pregnant. Let me go get the Pharisees. They're going to have a good time with you. And they're going to grab all their rocks. Remember? Do you remember what happened to the, uh, to the woman uh, when Jesus uh, went to, uh, to save her? She was in adultery, right? She had all these women. She had all these men. And, uh, and they were ready to throw the stones at her. Remember what happened? But now here it is, uh, Mary herself, now she has a baby proof positive that she had been some would think, with a man So Joseph says that, you know what I'm not going to put you to shame I'm not going to have them to stone you to death, I'm just going to divorce you Joseph understood something notice here that in verse 20 that the angel of the Lord addressed him as the son of David. Did you see that? He was being addressed as the son, not just of David, but as the son of King David. Uh, you notice that it has skipped many, many generations. If you go back and, and read the genealogy, you'll notice that. Uh, but he is being addressed as the son of King David. What does that imply? But the angel of of the Lord had come to him and had spoken to him and called him the son of David, saying that you are of royalty. That Joseph, even though this is not your child, there's something special that I'm going to do with this family. So Joseph uh, had to understand who he was. If he were to follow uh the holy spirit if he were to embrace his woman he had to understand who he was do you know who you are in jesus christ you see uh, knowing who you are knowing who we are in jesus christ it eliminates a lot of the confusion in life amen if we know who we are we can walk in the confidence amen If we know uh, who we are, we can walk without, uh, with being able to spot the lies. If we know who we are in Christ, we have a conviction in our souls. If we know who we are, we know we're going to heaven to be with the Lord one day. Can you say amen? So Joseph was addressed as the son of David, the son of a king. And knew that God wanted to do something special with him. Also know this, understand this, we know that Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of Man. We know who Jesus is. We know that he is God incarnate, God in the flesh. We understand all this. However, on the earth, that Jesus also gets part of his authority by being from the lineage of David. Check this out. So this tells us that Joseph, ultimately, when Jesus was born, that Joseph adopted Jesus as his own son. And if Joseph adopted Jesus as his own son, God recognized him as his son. And if God recognized him as his son, He had all the rights and all the privilege of someone who had been born to him biologically. Do you see that? So God had imputed upon Jesus concerning the earth this idea that he was also of the lineage of the son of David. Uh, There's other reasons why as well through Mary, of course. But uh, within Joseph himself that he gained this authority through Joseph himself. So if you are or happen to know someone who happened to be a foster kid or or adopted or whatever into a family, if your parents are not your biological parents, know this, that when God looks at you, God sees you as being that man or that woman's child. Never look at yourself as though you were half anything. I'm sure that while Jesus Christ existed on this earth, that he respected Joseph as his his father on earth. Can you say amen? And nothing could take that away. So therefore, if you find yourself in this situation, know that God looks at you as whole and not as half. And in that, you can celebrate and break free from the lies that the devil always tries to tell you. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to say amen for you if you don't. Some things go beyond our understanding. Some things take the supernatural intervention in order to get the message across to us. And this angel, he would speak to Joseph and intervene for Mary directly through his dreams. Now, I know some of you guys may think uh, that is about the only time that I'll let a woman come up to me and say that I'm pregnant with somebody else's child, uh, that God's going to have to come to me in a dream. But why do the spirit sometimes wait for us to fall asleep before he speaks? Why is that? First, this is not a method that God uses all the time. Right? So you may have experienced or you will experience one day God speaking to you through your dream. In critical times or when we are unable to hear from the Lord, he may speak to us in our dreams. However, when we are limited in our understanding of God's word or do not have access to it, uh, that he may direct us in supernatural ways. It is a fact. It happens. It happens from Genesis all the way through Revelation, and we are living in the midst of the New Testament right now. But when he opens up the avenue for us to learn his word, uh, you have to hear it now, right? Right? you may be asking yourself how come God doesn't speak to me you know I hear all these stories God told me this God told me that well one of the reasons that you don't hear God speaking to you because you got the Bible sitting there in the back window of your car and God says open it up if you want to hear my voice see that and we're standing around waiting on God waiting on a big snowball to hit us from heaven right oh that was God no I, I need to turn left here at this this corner right But God gives us his word. He gives us his word to study. He gives us his word to meditate on. He gives us his word to pray in and through. So if you're waiting on a dream, stop waiting. And open up these covers or turn on your iPad, iPod, your i-this, your i-that, whatever you have. And if your device is so smart, how come you can't leave the Bible open all the time? Tell it to say open. Hey, open up. If you want God to speak to you, open up the word of God. So God uh, may not be speaking to you like he speaks to Joseph, but because you have his authoritative word right before you, and he's just waiting on you to spend a few minutes to open it up, to hear what thus says the Lord. So what's in the name? Matthew 1, verse 21 through 23. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. Scripture says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God's name is an identifying factor. What's in the name? Shakespeare asked. That which we call a rose. A name can be a powerful element in identifying someone or something that had been nameless or in someone who's taking a new role. In fact, if you remember Abraham, remember his original name was Abram, which means great father, and, and, and God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, Abraham, which means father of multitude. A name can save time. It can cause one to run and escape or to flee, like if someone was to name that very hot thing that flames up like that. And if you were to see it, someone were to say, fire, you know you need to run or be on the lookout. A name can pronounce unity like one nation under God. A name can divide families and peoples. A name can deliver hope like Jesus. The name is used to summon one of our children so that when we call that one child, all our children won't come running to us at the same time. Amen? And you know when your kids are younger and you, and you call them, they come running, don't they? And then as they get a little older, you, you, you call them once, right? Little Charlie? Nothing, right? Little Charlie? Nothing, right? They started getting a little older. Next thing you know, Charlie, didn't I call you? And then what comes after that? Come on, you know how some of you are. Don't make me. You know. So therefore, a, a name can save time. How would you call your friend in a crowd when you see them? Would you say, hey, you? Because if you say, hey, you, there are plenty of hey, yous around there. So that which is nameless, that suddenly has a name, becomes a person or source. You can finally get your mind around uh, what humans once called up there. We now call the sky. When people first encountered that four-legged creature running across the field, we now call a deer. Someone once said, and I quote, each planet, each plant, each butterfly, each moth, each beetle, becomes doubly real to us when we know its name. Lucky indeed are those who from their earliest childhood have heard all these things named. End quote. God the Father did not wait for people to think of a name for his son. Right? Because I know some of y'all, if God said, okay, Uh, I need sister so-and-so and and brother so-and-so to go ahead and give my son a name. What you going to call him? Uh, Let's see, uh, Alaysha Cron, uh, uh, what we going to... What what shall I call him? Uh, uh, I'll call him David, but I'm going to spell it D-A-V-Y-D. You know, we start making up syllables and things like that. Uh, Can you imagine God waiting on us to name his son? He decided before his son made his entrance on this earth what his name would be because we know that God's name is I Am. Amen? Uh, When Moses uh, spoke to God and and God had instructed Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, uh, Moses asked God, well, okay, I'm going to do that, but who shall I tell them sent me? God says what? Tell them I Am sent you. Jesus says what? That I am the good shepherd. Jesus says what? That I am the door. Jesus says what? That I am the bread of life. Jesus is I am. So the names are for our benefits. How do we name someone has had a name before they were born. How do we name an infinite being from a finite perspective? In that name, Emmanuel, there is God's presence. In that name, Jesus, it is the Lord who saves. Oftentimes, uh, people have naming rights Uh, They have some position of power over the one that is named. Uh, Parents name their children because infants are helpless and have no say in the matter. Amen? Uh, But also recall slavery in which slave owners would rename a slave because they wanted to redefine this person and wipe away their past while introducing them to a new and an unwanted future. For people to give Jesus a name from a person's perspective is one thing, but God would not allow people to define who he is. As much as we try, and as much as we attempt to fit the Lord into our own little concept, he will not and cannot be defined by us. Therefore, his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. His name is Jesus, the Lord's sake. The Lord Jesus is not one that was uh, was chosen uh, by closing uh, uh, the name Jesus. That is, was not one that was chosen by simply uh, finding uh, his name in a baby name book. We don't go to the library, find a name book, and close our eyes and say, this is a good name for our Savior. Neither was the name Emmanuel concocted based on what sounded the blackest, What sounded the most African, the most Irish, German, French, Chinese, or any other groups of people that you can think of or identify with. The name was selected because it was based on the identity of our Lord and the ministry he would work on our behalf. You see, in the name of Emmanuel, there is theology. In the name of Jesus, there is the study of God. It introduces us to who God is. God reveals who he is through the name Emmanuel, through the name Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Hebrews 1, beginning in verse 1. And the writer of Hebrews says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke To our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact, you see that, right? And the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellence than theirs. Let's read verse 4 together, please. Verse 4 together. Here we go. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Uh, the psalmist also goes on to say in Psalm 54:4, it says, I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. You see, the name of the Lord is good because God Himself is good. Amen? So when we look at the word, we see Mary's son. Look at this. They didn't call his name Emmanuel. You see that? Look at verse 21 again. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name what? They didn't call him Emmanuel. Huh. So if they didn't call him Emmanuel... Why are we up in here singing these Emmanuel songs today? Why? Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay. Well, we just read that uh, here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It's pretty much the same thing. So why do we call Jesus Emmanuel? Because of this, folks. The gospel writer Matthew, as well as the other gospel writers and everyone else that came after them, all the apostles, all the disciples, everyone understood that Jesus is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. That the Holy Spirit gave them insight. And so this is the one, this is the one that Isaiah speaks of. He's talking about Isaiah. He's talking about this Jesus. So when we speak of Emmanuel, we speak of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Emmanuel prophecy. Jesus is Emmanuel. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) So when we sing the song Emmanuel, We are singing prophecy coming into being in the person of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel and Jesus, however, these are not the only names for for Jesus. Jesus is also called the Rose of Sharon, he's also called the Son of Man. And we know he's called the Son of God. Jesus is called the Lord of the living. And the Lord of the dead. Jesus is called uh, the mediator. Uh, He's called the Lord of lords. You know Jesus is called the King of kings. He's called the Prince of Peace. You know this one, right? The Everlasting Father. He's called Mighty God. Jesus is called the head of the church. So Jesus has a multiplicity of names to fulfill all of his ministry that he does on behalf of the entire human race. But today, this season, we call him Emmanuel. This season, Yes, we call him Jesus. We call him God with us. It is this time that we realize that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he gave Emmanuel, that he gave Jesus, that he gave God with us so that we may have everlasting life. For that, we can say amen and thank you, Jesus. God is certainly good to us. And God, he honors us. Even as we desire to draw near to him, God is with us. Are we with him? Let's pray.